Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to NSPS Radio Hour today, and if all is going well... I have with me today Frank Lennock. Frank, I hope you're on the line. I believe that I am. And I have Galen Scott with NGS. Galen, are you with us? Galen's here. Okay, and we have Drew Smith. I'm here. Excellent. Everybody is here. That's that's good to know. It's a little hectic for some of us today because I'm at our, our conference this morning, and I guess you're still on site, Drew. Um, no, that's correct. So, but we want to talk today about uh, a number of things that are centered around National Surveyors Week, which, as all surveyors already know, is this coming week, not this week, but the week after, beginning on the 21st. I guess it's the 20th is the actual Sunday. Is that correct? I think that's right. I'm losing track of time. But uh, nonetheless, Frank, maybe you can start us off and talk a bit about National Surveyors Week and what some of our objectives are, and uh, maybe some of the activities that people already uh, have lined up. Thanks, Kurt. Um, sure. Well, National Surveyors Week, as you said, is a, a week-long celebration of the survey profession. It takes place every year in March, um, and it serves a number of functions. It's mostly about public awareness of our profession. Um, to the public, and we do this through a number number of ways, uh, through education, through the media, um, and also through public service. We want to uh, make it known to the public that, that land surveying is out here, that uh, uh, we're working in your communities every day to protect your property um, and, and uh, the rights of the public. And, and it, we're a quiet profession. We're in the background. People don't hear about us. Uh, we're not splashed on the news, which I suppose is a good thing in some respects. But in others, um, people take us for granted. So it's, it's our opportunity uh, to let people know that we're here. Um, and during National Surveyor, we, we try to work with our partners. Um, and we have lots of partners. We have lots of schools that we go to and visit. Star program. We put the Boy Scouts of America on their surveying merit badge, and we work with the National Geodetic Survey in a number of ways during National Surveyors Week. So, all these things go uh, on. Um, we we work uh, identifying and improving infrastructure during National Surveyors Week. We um, locate monuments, perhaps that haven't that were set by the National Geodetic Survey that haven't been seen for some time. Um, some cases will document their location or obtain new positions on them. Um, and it's an opportunity for us to, to grow professionally, um, whether it's learning more about GPS or um, more about geodetic data that are created by the National Geodetic Survey. So uh, I guess in sum, um, we're working together as a profession and, um, you know, trying to uh, expand the awareness 
in the community at large of what, what it is that we do. I know that some of our state groups, and, and we have on the national level as well, have sought recognition for the week, us through the president's office and some of the states through their governor's offices, and we usually have fairly decent success for that. I don't know uh, if you have any report on what people have heard back from their governors this year so far, maybe we won't know until after the fact, but it seems to me like I saw something in email, uh, maybe a couple of people at least have already gotten some feedback on that, Frank. Yeah, well, one of the things we, we try to do during National Surveyors Week is um, is to get uh, um, sorry um, public recognition from from our elected officers. Um, they, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, sorry. The proclamations from the governors or the president. Thank you. Patients, we, uh, we, we've been uh, trying to obtain proclamations from uh, governors, uh, legislators, recognizing National Surveyors Week. And this is an important um, function of, of land surveyors, of our state societies and their elected officers, to do it on a local level. Uh, a, a year does not go by where some law isn't passed on a state level or a national level that affects uh, the public property rights. And when when a question comes up in government on people's property rights, it's important that politicians know who to turn to for the, for the best answer um, about that. And hopefully they know that land surveyors are the experts in property rights. That's who they should turn to. But if we get these proclamations from them each year, it reminds whoever the incumbent is who that group is that they should reach out to for more information. So that is one of the critical um, things that we do every year during National Surveyors Week. And in, and, uh, in fairness, the, um, the political, uh, the politicians have been very good at supporting us and, and issuing proclamations. And it's very true. As a matter of fact, um, I just was looking at the entrance. We just, uh, for, I think for the first time, we did a public relations competition. Uh, Lisa Van Horn led that mm-hmm. effort, and we just got the uh, submittals in not long ago and did the grading. A bunch of people did that, and, and the results are in, although I don't remember off the top of my head what they were. <laughs> but the thing that came across was uh, people saw that as a really great opportunity to reach out and to go into the public and talk to people about surveying. I know one group... Uh, actually went and set up in a mall, which I thought was pretty neat because you're going to interact directly with people face-to-face there. And uh, some other gr- other groups did something similar to that. And this wasn't just for National Surveyors Week necessarily, but it was this competition that was set up and the projects were carried out over, over a period of time. But it's connected to National Surveyors Week in the sense that it's promoting our profession and getting out in front of people and let them know what we do. Um, just this morning, as a matter of fact, uh, here at the conference, I was talking to a city surveyor from Arkansas, and he was talking about the things that come through his office and somehow how the surveyor gets put in a subordinate role oftentimes. And, of course, we surveyors believe we should take a prominent role or, or, or a leadership role in projects many, many times because we could just as easily be the lead professional as anybody else and pull all the other pieces together. Um, over time, it's been almost deemed that 
we, we're part of an architectural project or an engineering project, which is true, but surveyors really could be the lead professional in that if we if we reached out to clients and, and helped them understand what we do and why it's important, why it's the basis for what everybody else is doing. Um, and that, that was a really good conversation with I had with him about that and certainly is true as we're moving forward. So this whole idea of National Surveyors Week is the fact that we have a week where this is certainly celebrated and we do a lot of activities related to it, but clearly it's something we all need to focus on much more broadly in our in our practices and in our uh, educational systems and helping the, the young folks maybe be better at this than we were in our generation and in reaching out to people. Um, we often jokingly, although sadly, say uh, surveyors become surveyors so they don't have to talk to anybody. Um, but certainly that isn't isn't where we want to be. So, uh, again, th- thank you, Frank, for all the, the work that you do and sort of orchestrating this and taking the lead role and, and working with people and being so diligent about it. it. I certainly appreciate it, and I know NSPS and the profession itself does. So I don't know if there's anything else you want to add about the week or anything I've said um, here in this well, first segment, but you're certainly welcome to. There is one more thing I'd like to say, and, and it's, the, it's probably the single... Um, best thing I've taken away personally from from coordinating the National Surveyors Week efforts. There are great ideas all across this country, and what we don't do well as a profession is share them. So when I talk to a surveyor in California or a surveyor in Michigan or a surveyor in New York, and I hear some of the good things that they are doing, I, I use National Surveyors Week um, emails and letters and articles that I've written as a way of sharing those ideas across the country. It's one, it's probably our biggest uh, trap that we don't communicate well. Um, the state of Pennsylvania, that is the Pennsylvania Society of Land Fairs, done some outstanding public relations programs, uh, which I've shared, uh, you know, with the community at large. And I've gotten tremendous feedback from all across the country, people publishing my articles and calling me on the phone saying, these are great ideas. So if there's, if there's one thing we should do during National Surveyors Week, it's improve our communication uh, across state lines. Yeah, I would agree with that. And certainly take advantage of all those things that we hear about and making sure that other people know about them. That, that's one of the things that I think we all are guilty of, and I know I certainly am in a lot of cases, I'll, I'll, somebody will bring something to me, this is a wonderful idea, we're doing it in our state, whatever the case is, and then maybe I don't always follow up and say, well, why don't we share this idea with everybody? Because uh, there's no no uh, limit on good ideas, and all of us can ho- hopefully take advantage of those. And the, I think the beauty of sharing everything that we get is something will appeal to some people, and then something else will appeal to other people, but if we have a broad enough range of activities that are going on or ideas that are out there, then uh, I think that might prompt more people to be involved in, in a, like I said before, not just on National Surveyors Week, but in a more general sense. So we're looking well, forward to, to the week. It's, it's one, of the, one of the wonderful new um, uh, results of the 100% membership is that now instead of having single points of contact with every state society, you have hundreds, hundreds of members from every state. So, so when um, a program comes down the line or an idea comes down the line, it may not appeal 
to everybody, but it may appeal to a few. So if um, a program that, that works with um, the National Geodetic Survey, that will appeal to uh, surveyors who are interested in geodetic control. Or if a program comes down the line and it's, it deals with Boy Scouts, that will appeal to those surveyors in the various states that, that work with Boy Scouts or Trade Star. So um, the 100% membership has been a really uh, big uh, advantage to, to sharing information, and I really look forward to the future um, and expanding on this. Yeah, I agree, and and you made a great point about the Scouts and the Tree Star because you do see people taking the same basic principle and looking at it a little differently and applying it to their own situation and what works for them. There's some really good things going on out there in both of those areas and, and in scouting for sure. Um, so you're right. We just keep sharing those ideas and promoting surveying in National Surveyors Week, but also uh, throughout the year. And so m- maybe we should focus as NSPS more on recognizing what people are doing through our publications for National Surveyors Week. And if we can get people to provide that information to us, we can certainly do that kind of thing in the newsletter and hopefully build interest for for moving ahead. So we are, believe it or not, at the end of our first segment. So. We're going to go take a break, and we'll be right back after these messages. Want to know if your Shonstead locator is still under warranty? Go to Shonstead.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com. I'm Marita News, and I would like to invite you to listen live or download my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Quick Stakes. Is your answer to staking lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes? Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Attention surveyors, Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.seanstead.com. Seanstead, the best just got better. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back for our second segment today on National Surveyors Week with Frank Lennon, Galen Scott, and Drew Smith. Um, Galen, I know that you and Frank have been working really close together on putting things together and finding activities that surveyors can do during National Surveyors Week as part of their outreach and also have some, not just an exercise uh, to do, but actually an exercise that has some implication to the overall uh, geodetic framework for the country. And and I know I want to have you talk about two or three different things here, and 
the first one I want you to talk about is GPS, but before, on benchmarks. But let's back up just a little bit and let you tell our audience a bit about who Galen is and, and what you do at NGS. All right, Noah. Thanks, Kurt. Um, so I'm, I'm Galen Scott. I've been with uh, National Geodetic Survey for about 13 years now, uh, and my focus in the uh, in the office here is really non-navigational applications um, uh, of the science and technology that NGS uses. Um, basically, I work with uh, other parts of NOAA, um, with the National Park Service, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, uh, applying uh, applying high accuracy elevations and connecting them to tidal datums uh, to help understand and um, understand coastal processes uh, and uh, help with um, coastal management issues, um, dealing with uh, things like sea level rise and coastal inundation, um, habitat restoration, community resilience, and, and uh, assessing vulnerability uh, to coastal, coastal communities. Uh, so that's really my background. Um, recently, I've, uh, I've taken the helm of the, um, the National Height Modernization Program. Um, and uh, helping to coordinate with national with height mod partners around the country, uh, and I've been working on this uh, GPS on benchmarks campaign um, for surveyors work for surveys week as well as for uh, for the longer term looking at how um, this kind of project can help us with uh, new tools that we're working on. Maybe it'd be good to sort of walk our audience through explaining what GPS on benchmarks is and then how they can participate and, and all those kind of things. Sure. Thanks. Um, so, uh, as we've talked about a little bit earlier, uh, NGS is really all about uh, geodetic control, uh, providing uh, providing um, access to the National Spatial Reference System and def well, defining and maintaining the National Spatial Reference System and providing access to it. Um, historically, that's been done through um, through benchmarks, uh, through survey control marks. Um, and specifically what we're working on right now is uh, the vertical marks, the, the benchmarks that have uh, known elevations uh, on them that were derived from geodetic leveling um, and have orthometric heights on them. Um, and the idea here is that, um, is that these benchmarks um, have been in the ground for a long time, and once... Uh, once we've surveyed, surveyed them, um, or they have been surveyed, um, that's the last bit of information that we have uh, about that mark. And because we know Earth is a dynamic place, uh, and things change, things move, um, sometimes marks get, uh, get destroyed, um, we are interested in trying to update uh, the information that we have about these, uh, these survey control networks around the country, the geodetic control networks. Um, so in particular, the GPS on Benchmarks project uh, has a couple of different... Um, couple of different aspects. Um, the first one is really to uh, have folks collect survey-grade GPS data uh, on these benchmarks around the country uh, and submit that information to us through our OPUS sharing tool um, online. Um, we also have an opportunity for folks to contribute that don't have survey-grade GPS equipment um, by uh, updating the, uh, the horizontal coordinates uh, on some of these marks. Um, historically, um, the, the leveled marks um, have scaled positions on them, um, meaning the, the, the coordinates, the horizontal coordinates were pulled off a, of a USGS topo quad uh, or something like that and are only accurate um, to a few degrees. So um, one opportunity is for folks to even just take their cell phone out there or, or a handheld GPS um, for marks that have a scaled coordinate um, update that coordinate with uh, a mapping grade GPS with the phone or the, or the GPS and, and then submit that to us. Um, 
And then a third thing to do um, is for marks that have not been found in a long time. Uh, if, if a mark hasn't been found in 30 years or more, uh, we're hoping folks will go out and look for them uh, and then report back to us through our, through our online tools. Uh, let us know if they find the mark um, and update the description for the mark so other surveyors will know um, that that mark's available for use. And oftentimes other people involved in that, right? I mean, that, uh, isn't this something that, that the geocache community sometimes gets involved in and other people just to provide that basic information when they're out and find marks? Absolutely. Yeah, the, uh, the geocaching community has uh, has a subset of folks called the benchmark hunters, um, and that's that's what they do. They get um, they get really worked up about finding a mark that hasn't been found in a long time. Um, and it's, it is, it's like a treasure hunt out there, um, going out and finding these things, uh, looking through the, the, uh, the data sheets um, that, are, you know, that are in our database and, and finding the two-reach description. Uh, some of these marks are really old, um, and so the, uh, the descriptions can be um, kind of like a puzzle to try and put together um, you know, what that description is saying and, and trying to find, uh, find landmarks that may or may not still be there and um, kind of look, look, through, look through the eyes of the surveyor that put that mark in there and wrote that description and try and find out, you know, within the modern landscape, where, where is that mark now? Um, so the, you know, the, the geocaching community is definitely a group that has, um, that has been helping a lot with, uh, with finding old marks that haven't been recovered in a while. Yeah, and I would think that, that you mentioned the puzzle part of it all. That, that would, should be intriguing to surveyors because... People heard me say on the radio radio show before. For me, we surveyors are puzzle workers, mind readers, and and detectives. So, uh, and and really solving the parcel puzzle, as I say, is what surveyors are all about. So, helping to find those marks and get good data on them. And and of course, when we talk about good data, you're you're looking for position. Is is part of the program for GPS on benchmarks uh, verifying elevation, or is it mostly for locating? Well, um, as I said, there's there's a couple of different um, purposes for the for the uh, program as we as we have it lined uh, set up on our website. Um, the first two for marks that haven't been found in a while or that have scaled position um, positions. The the idea is to update that information in our database just to find those marks and um, and and provide a little bit more information. Um, the more the more robust, the more in involved um, effort engaged in, involves actually going out and. Um, Observing the mark with the survey grade GPS receiver, uh, setting it up, on, setting up on it um, for four hours or more, um, collecting that static data, and then submitting it to us through Opus, um, and that will actually provide provide us with some um, some quality updated coordinates uh, for that, as well as that observation file um, that that we can use in future projects. Um, so, yeah, updating, you know, providing new information for these marks is is definitely part of this. So. And I don't want to shortchange the the GPS on benchmark side, but I know another activity is the the GravD activity that maybe you can talk about. Sure, um, GravD is is, uh, is an acronym for Gravity for the Redefinition of the American Vertical Datum. Um, you know, because here at NOAA, NOAA is actually the National Organization for the Advancement of Acronyms. Um, <laughs> So Grav, GravD is our program to collect airborne gravimetry uh, across the country uh, that will be used in, uh, in creating the next set of datums, the next vertical datum uh, that's planned to come out in 2022. And that one has become a, a topic of discussion and how, how all that's going to be pulled together. Um, maybe we'll talk about that um, uh, later as well. But 
um, I guess drawing that connection between the two is an important thing. And uh, again, maybe for the audience who have hasn't heard before, maybe you can maybe just give us a little brief um, discussion about the 2022 and what what the plan is. I'll actually let Drew answer that one. Okay, that's okay. That'll be fine. Uh, sure. Uh, I, I, Galen, you caught me off guard. I thought you were going to go on with that. Oops, sorry. That's we okay. can come back. <laughs> fine, it's fine. So, so 2022 is our is our magical date. There's, uh, there's a lot of changes happening at MGS. And uh, the one I think that uh, is probably going to be most obvious to, to uh, surveying community is that the, the two primary datums that people are familiar with in the United States, NAD83 for uh, horizontal uh, information, and NAVD88 for uh, vertical. Those will be replaced in 2022, and there will be a single uh, GPS-based system, and I should say actually GNSS-based system. Uh, certainly GPS is part of that, but uh, there's new uh, constellations that are going up, Galileo, GLONASS, COMPASS. Uh, these are all things that uh, that are going to be contributing to the future uh, of geodetic surveying. So the, the, the datums are going to be replaced in 2022, but surrounding that are so many other improvements that our NGS is working on. There's uh, there's going to be changes to, to blue booking, which is the, the, the long-standing process by which people turn in uh, surveys to, to NGS to become part of the, the NSRS, the National Spatial Reference System. And uh, and I, I agree with Galen, uh, with, with apologies for all the uh, acronyms we can throw around. So that's that's basically the uh, the big change is that those datums are going to be replaced and, and not frivolously. There's a, there's reasons for this. There are errors that are in these datums that, that uh, were not really noticeable at the time that they were first developed. And uh, part of that is due to technology and and uh, a great deal to just the, the increased accuracy that's available through the various survey techniques that have allowed us see some of the difficulties that we have allowed to remain in these datums for a while. Uh, knowing that the change in the data is, is kind of a kind of, it, it is going to be quite a change for, for people. It could be painful. Uh, we don't do this, like I said, frivolously, but we are at a point where technology is in the hands of people who can easily see the systematic errors that are in the datums, and it's, it's become necessary uh, to take that next step and, and replace the data. You know, it was interesting uh, I, when you said blue booking. I wrote that down because um, for the for the everyday surveyor, not the geodesist, uh, I can remember days when just the just those two words were enough to scare any surveyor to death. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so I, I was just curious about if if that process is has changed or how it, it's uh, applied now. Well, to be clear, it has not changed significantly in the last few decades, there have been small changes, but blue booking as, as you knew it and as you were afraid of it, it needs to exist. Uh, and, and I must say, there's, there's a reason for that, and it's because blue booking was a method to make sure that everything that came in was very carefully done, that there were checks and balances, that things were perfectly formatted so that ultimately... Uh, good data and only good data could make it through the gate of blue booking and into the into the database that ultimately expanded the National Spatial Reference System. So there there is a reason to be afraid of it because it's a big and onerous process, but it couldn't be anything else uh, to and still be as uh, um, as meticulous as it is about letting only good data through. Uh, 
So I, I say with, with the technology of the day, which was basically when, when it was first set up, we were talking about uh, 80 character ASCII files, DOS-based systems. I mean, things have changed so much in the, in the last few decades. So Bluebooking, yeah, blue as it's going to be in the future, is going to be very different looking, but it's going to have a very similar rigorousness to it so that uh, although it should be easier to work with, there will still be only, you know, only a, a small uh, acceptable gateway through which we, good data can flow. So sorry, Drew, we need to go to our next break. Let's pick back up on that when we come back. No problem. Attention surveyors, Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.seanstead.com. Seanstead, the best just got better. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for Quick Stakes today. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Want to know if your Seanstead locator is still under warranty? Go to Seanstead.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Before we went to break, I interrupted Drew on on talking about blue booking, so I don't know how much more we need to add to that, but I didn't want to leave the subject without finishing it up. Well, I just want to make sure that it's uh, that we're clear that blue booking is still going to be whether the name be there or not, there will be a process by which NGS takes in good genetic surveys, and uh, it will be both a rigorous process as well as uh, very user-friendly. Uh, we have, uh, we've been talking about it for years, but we actually have a lot of smart people working on it this year, and we're hoping that if people are familiar with Opus Projects, which is an online GPS processing tool that NGS provides, uh, we're hoping to load our first Opus Projects-based survey into our uh, database uh, sometime later this year as, as an experiment to make sure that that can be the engine that's the core of the new Bluebooking process. So uh, we're working on it hard, and uh, we're setting um, some very tough targets for ourselves, but I think we're going to make it. Maybe that's a good time to, to bring in the, the need for the assistance because in, in our preliminary conversations you were talking about in, needing help on the, the GNSS and, and contributions to the Mod program, maybe you can 
pick up on that and tell people how they can help. Well, one of the, so if you're talking about the uh, GPS on Benchmarks campaign, uh, I, I know Galen did uh, definitely uh, hit a lot of the high points of what's going on there. I, uh, I wanted to point out some of the transitional work that people could definitely be doing uh, to help us on that. The first is, at, right now, GPS on, on Benchmarks does a great deal of good to, uh, to help build what we call a hybrid geoid model. And that's, that's the official geoid model that connects your NAD83 ellipsoid heights to your NAVD88 orthometric heights. So it lets you get orthometric heights out of, out of GPS, basically. Uh, and that's, that's critical information that comes in. In the future, we're going to be transitioning uh, some of that into uh, more about GPS on, on survey marks as a way to help us build a transformational tool, a lot like NADCON and VERTCON, so that when NAD83 and NAVD88 are replaced, there will be, on that day of replacement, there will be already a transformational tool like NADCON and VERTCON that will come out immediately and allow people to reprocess uh, or excuse me, not reprocess, but to actually transform surveys and maps quickly from the old datum into the new datum so that uh, they won't necessarily have to go back and reprocess the original survey data, uh, provided that a transformational tool uh, yields up the accuracy that, that is suitable for their needs. Well, I don't know if I've left anything out with regard to, uh, I know you were talking about, uh, did we, I don't know if we, I'm thinking back, did we get into you talking about the uh, everything you want to talk about on the geoids, or do we need to back up to that at all, or are we are we good? Well, the only I think one critical thing we should make sure to mention is that the future vertical datum is not going to be a, a leveling based datum. It's going to be geoid based, so that in the future your surveyor who needs an orthometric height can get it directly out of their GPS receiver through uh, GPS survey to the new uh, geometric side of the datum. Uh, then they'll remove a gravity-based geoid model, and that's part of the GravD uh, project that Galen was talking about. And that will be how surveyors will achieve orthometric heights in the new datum. It's, that's a critical uh, change in philosophy and in approach. And it's, I think it's going to take a, a lot of getting used to and a lot of communication, but uh, it's going to also provide us with a great deal of consistency across the country that really we don't have right now uh, using a, a leveling-based data. And yeah, I was just going to say you were talking about adapting, and I'm not sure we as surveyors always are, are great at adapting. We we do it, but we're always afraid to do it. You guys have always been so good about everything that comes along down the pike, helping people figure out how to adapt. I know uh, lots of people have been to your, your uh, workshops at Corbin, done all kinds of things like that. Do you have plans to have those kind of things available, or are they already in place to help people in that adaptation process? Yeah, there's... There's, uh, in addition to just the various workshops, there is a lot of information available on our website. We have a new datums webpage that basically shows people uh, where we are with this process, what the process is going to end up with, what, what are these new date, uh, what's the reason for replacing the, the datums, how will we use the new one. But uh, also on top of that, we're working directly on producing a new surveying manual specifically for orthometric heights so that people can take uh, GPS, hit very accurate ellipsoid heights. Uh, this is the sort of thing that people are familiar with the NGS 58 and 59 guidelines uh, that are, that are um, they're good and rigorous and uh, unfortunately, you know, about 20 years old. Uh, 
<laughs> and uh, there's plenty of new technology and new processes to use GPS to get an, uh, an accurate height. We are in the middle of taking that information, updating it, and then combining it with leveling surveys to talk about how people will access orthometric heights through GPS, and then from there add leveling surveys into the mix and uh, and have sort of a combined uh, method of, of surveying. And that's, that's just started up this year. We're hoping that to have uh, those guidelines well in place years before 2022 so people can get familiar with, with how we would hope to serve up orthometric heights to the public and, and to, to be useful for people. And this is Galen here. One other thing to point out is that um, to help prepare for the transition, we've also um, released some experimental geoid models um, so that people can see what the geoids of the future will look like. Um, as Drew mentioned, the, the, current, uh, the current geoid models, uh, geoid 12, uh, Geoid 12B at this point um, is a hybrid geoid model, and that allows you to um, to basically use use GPS um, and that geoid model to derive an NAVD88 equivalent height, um, and that's the current pr production model geoid. Um, however, we also have these experimental geoids, the exp uh, X-geoid uh, 15 and uh, 15A and 15B, uh, and those are not hybrids; they are purely gravimetric geoids. Um, 15A has uh, just um, just the global gravity uh, in it, uh, global gravity model in it, and uh, 15B uh, actually has the, the new GRAV-D uh, airborne gravity data uh, in there. Um, so people can start to see the difference uh, between uh, the, the heights that they're going to get um, with the hybrid models versus the, the heights that they'll get um, in the future with the new datums. So how do they, I was, let's just say somebody wants to, to do that, how do they access the information they need? Um, right now on our website, there is a, uh, an XGeoid uh, page um, that, that can be found straight from our main, main website. And then there's a tool on there um, where you can, you can input uh, your data, your, your ellipsoid heights, uh, and it will um, apply the geoid there and give you your, um, give you your, your, um, your orthometric height. And actually, Galen, let me uh, step in here. There's, Please. there's one other thing, one change being made. And that's if, if users are familiar with Opus, uh, the, the the Opus GPS processing engine on our website has what's called an extended output. If a user requests that, right now uh, they'll see at the very bottom of that something called a prototype orthometric height. And I believe what, what basically that shows them is if this were 2022, your orthometric height that you just got would be approximately something, and it would be a, a, an ellipsoid height based on a geocentric ellipsoid, uh, which is different than NAD83, which is not perfectly geocentric, and a geoid model that is purely gravimetric. And I, I believe at this moment the X-geoid models are not linked into there, but that's being worked on as I speak. I know, I know for a fact that uh, somebody's working on that. People will begin seeing then what their orthometric height of the future will be at a particular point if they, if they ask for that extended uh, opus output. And, and this is really important to the public at large um, because right now there's a, a much heightened awareness of uh, flood hazards across the country, whether it's from storms, um, uh, hurricanes, uh, flooding, and so on. 2022 sounds like a long way away, but obviously it's not because... As we all get older, we know the years fly by quickly. So, in that adaptation process, if you know, I'm John Q. Surveyor out in the middle of nowhere where I happen to live. 
um, wh- what is the impact? I'm, I'm just trying to get my wrap my head around. <laughs> I know what we're doing here, but how that relates to what people are using now on all the data sets and maps that they have. Maybe that's a crazy question to ask or one that isn't answerable. I don't know. No, it's, it's a very good it's question. It's a good question, and it's, it's, uh, it's something that needs to be asked. We, we do have on our New Datums webpage, we have maps of how things are going to change. And what predominantly what users are going to see are that there's going to be horizontal shifts of latitude and longitude somewhere in the half a meter to two meter range, depending on where you are in the United States and vertical shifts uh, about similar magnitude, a little bit larger if you're in Alaska. And this is, you know, this is critical. In, in some parts of uh, the, the coastal regions, you may see very little change in your orthometric heights if you happen to live in a particular part of the, the country. In others, your orthometric heights may all change by a meter, and, and part of that is because of how we built up the datum by, by picking a particular zero height for NAVD-88 and running a single-level network across the country, there is a real disconnect as you get, as you get across the country uh, as far as uh, what your heights are relative to, to truth. And so there may be, I suggest people really look at those maps so you have an idea of, of what to expect. So on a, but on a practical, um, from a more practical standpoint, um, if I could use the, the Taylor's expression, you have to make the coat fit the pants. So today we're using um, the current uh, NAVD88 datum with the maps that are prepared by FEMA or whoever, um, and we have to make those maps. So as we as we get a more precise model of the Earth and more precise elevations, uh, orthometric heights, excuse me, um, there will be uh, ensuing changes to the FEMA maps and so on. So it's incumbent on us as professionals to um, always stay in touch with the evolution of these of these orthometric heights um, so that we can protect the public and, and keep them in line with uh, the um, uh, government agencies and insurance companies. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and actually, I think that uh, points out a really good role for us at NSPS in assisting uh, not only our members, anybody who gets information from us, in being able to find the information they need to make sure that, that you know the adherence to these is going on, and so I'm really appreciative of all the things that you guys over at NGS are doing when you send information to us so we can get it out in our newsletter and our other outlets because I think that's that's a good way. As Frank pointed out earlier, now that we have the joint membership program, we reach so many people that. Hopefully, we can continue to help get out that information from you all and help other people better understand what it means and how it's going to impact them and how they can access what they need to to try to use it. So we're about a few seconds away from our our second break. So when we come back, I do want to follow up on a little bit a little bit further with this um, topic, and then we can get into some general discussion in our last segment about. Uh, activities uh, servers week and Frank had a couple of other points he wanted to make too so let's go to break and we'll be back in a couple of minutes want to know if your Seanstead locator is still under warranty go to Seanstead.com and click on warranty finder in the lower left hand corner enter your six digit serial number and it will tell you everything you need to know out of warranty 
Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number. 800-438-0387 or go to quickstake.com that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E dot com and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Attention surveyors, Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.seanstead.com. Seanstead, the best just got better. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. As we've been talking about 2022 and looking forward to that and the changes that are going to come and the reasons for those changes and how they're going to be helpful to us, one of the things that uh, we've had some discussion about already um, and, and some activity involved and actually, Drew, you put together a group. One of the things that our listeners need to understand is that there's a lot of legislation out there across the country that ties itself to, um, I guess now pretty much everything's tied to uh, NAB 83, or um, if I'm saying that correctly, but there's going to be changes, so there's going to be a need for legislation. So, Drew, maybe you could talk about that effort to try to come up with uniform language. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to. Right. As, as you mentioned, there's a lot of legislation out there. To be specific, 48 of the 50 states and at least two territories have legislation on their books that specifically defines a state-specific coordinate system and then ties that coordinate system to NAD 83 by name. So it's, it's very often it's the state plane coordinate systems of the particular state. Uh, there's, there's also one state with an NAD 88 uh, legislation as well by name. So th- the issue is, when NAD 83 and NAD 88 are replaced, they will not carry the name forward. There will be a, a new name for the datum, and that means that all of these laws that are on the books, which were so so incredibly important at the time, it really helped significantly to get the states to have legislation to move off 27 onto 83, but unfortunately it sort of painted us into the, the corner of naming the exact system that we have to be on. So there is six years until uh, the, the new system is out there. So uh, NGS, as well as AAGS and NSPS, we've, we've all had a number of conversations in the last year uh, understanding that this is going to be some sort of problem. So, yeah, there was a, a committee was formed between the three groups uh, to, to try to 
study the existing legislation, understand it, develop a new template legislation, which is what was done for 83, but in a new way, in a way that specifically uh, keeps 83 working for the time being, and yet will also cover what happens in 2022. And so the, the hope is that we can get this template legislation built in, in the next year, get it in the hands of people who can get to their state legislators, and if necessary, make these, make these changes. So uh, it's going to have to be some sort of generic language uh, that talks about the, the latest datum in the NSRS, for example. So, so words to that effect. And this committee is very much in its, in its opening stages, so we've only just started to do some work. But I will be talking about that uh, at the conference this afternoon at 1 o'clock. And so uh, we strongly urge people who, who have uh, either uh, questions or concerns about their particular state legislature, please reach out to the committee because this is this is going to be critical considering how slow sometimes it takes to get legislation changed over. Yeah, I was just going to say it's never too early to begin that process because the simplest of things can take a really long time, and this is not necessarily a simple thing. I mean, it is in its overall concept, but getting the people who need to uh, work with us on the legislation to understand why this needs to be done and some, that that's going to be take a, a quite a bit of explanation, and and I would assume that all, with the legislation change, there probably needs to be some level of outreach in, let's say, even to a state or local agencies that may, in their own rules and regulations, call this out. Not not just in the legislation itself, but in agency documents. I'm assuming that probably exists somewhere. Yeah, I would presume as well. We've and that's why you know NGS recognizes very much that uh, uh, the NSPS really has the, the connections and the understanding of, of uh, all the various groups that, that that we're not even considering here. So as we move forward, um, we really are, are um, reliant upon NSPS and thankful to have your uh, your group working with us to to try to make sure that we do touch all the various people who have some some connection to NAD 83 in, in whether it be rules, regulations, or laws so that we can get as many people educated about this process way in advance so that the, the changeover is, is less painful. Certainly makes perfect sense. Frank, I know we started this conversation talking about National Surveyors Week and here we're in our last segment. So maybe you want to catch us up on some ideas that you have uh, talking about simultaneous observations, those types of things. Um, and then you were also talking about uh, another issue related to property lines that you wanted to talk about in this last segment? Um, well, one of the things I, I wanted to talk about is a, is a, a sandbox, um, because surveying is actually fun. Um, there's a sandbox project we're working on, which is to do a simultaneous observation across the country and submit to um, Opus Shared. Uh, my idea was that if a um, surveyor from every state could occupy a monument um, at the same time, that is, during the same time period. This will be on Wednesday, March the 23rd. Um, we'll begin at 2 o'clock Eastern time and run for four hours. Um, now, I've got some negative feedback from our guys on the East Coast that say, hey, um, you know, why does it start so late? And I have to pay my employees overtime to do this. But the answer is if we start at 2 o'clock on, um, on the East Coast, uh, they'll start at 6 a.m. in Hawaii. So <laughs> yeah, right. we, we want to try and get um, uh, an Opus 
shared solution from every state um, during the same time period on the same day. Um, a number of years ago, I, I actually submitted this to Guinness Book of World Records to do the uh, world's largest survey. Um, you know, this is something that would, would exceed the uh, Lewis and Clark survey of the um, um, Louisiana Purchase. So, you know, this was, this was going to be a real fun thing. Uh, Guinness Book of World Records didn't recognize it at that time, but I, I still think it would be fun. So, um, so that's that's one of the um, things I would I would like to do during uh, National Surveyors Week and encourage others to participate. In. I'm just curious if I'm I'm just trying to think through my head here about the timing and as you mentioned from Hawaii to the East Coast. Um, I'm thinking, okay, uh, is there a way to maybe get some of our our partner groups and our friends at FIG to participate wherever they happen to be at the time, but that that might be really too ag- aggressive to try to pull off. <laughs> well, well, I have been working um, with uh, John Hohall from FIG. Um, he he has been working very hard to to um, initiate a uh, World Surveyors Week, um, right. but it's a it's a slow moving process and. Um, and they, we have not quite uh, got there yet. Um, though it's though it's on the table, it, is, it has been before that uh, the board for discussion. Um, but there's no reason why we couldn't share this information with uh, other groups around the country, uh, or I'm sorry, around the world. Um, you know, one of the one of the chief functions of our organization is to inspire and include young surveyors, and and certainly reaching out. Through the network of young surveyors, um, we could have we could have some fun. Um, it's a it's a good idea. Yeah, I certainly agree. And in one of our conversations off air, you you were, you made a comment something about knowing where we are, and you mentioned property lines. Is that something you were thinking about tying to National Surveyors Week as well? Uh, it's not. Um, no, what I what I was um, what I had referred to uh, during one of our breaks was. That, that surveyors, um, one of their one of their primary functions, or one of their most uh, common functions historically, has been boundary lines, property lines. But this whole conversation today, what we're talking about is is uh, using satellite data, GNSS data, um, to to position ourselves. And what we're really looking at is is um, laying the foundation for the future. Um, Right in the news today was an article about autonomous vehicles, um, self-driving cars, and none of that's possible without precision, uh, knowing where you're located. So the the work that uh, that Drew is doing, that Galen's doing, uh, and that we're involved in, um, really is is setting the foundation for the future. Um, I w- I want to uh, sit in a rocking chair in 20 years' time. Um, and and say hey I oh no no I'm sorry I want to sit behind the wheel of my autonomous vehicle um, <laughs> when when I don't respond so quickly that when my reflexes are slow and be able to drive across the country just by pushing a button telling it where I want to go and say you know I was a part of the process that that um, helped determine the new the new datums and uh, I was there when it all began so I think that's a that's a fun way to look at things. I was going to say, um, 
the whole autonomous vehicle thing as we're looking forward in time, the ones of us who are getting uh, longer in the tooth probably <laughs> would look forward to that because we, we could still be on the road. But then when I thought about that, there's a, probably a lot of people driving around me that wish I was in some sort of autonomous vehicle now <laughs> so, so, so that I wasn't in control of it. <laughs> but uh, that's certainly certainly a great idea, and, and I like the fact that you're talking about this is something that we – as an organization, as individuals, can participate in and and looking down the road, feeling um, um, pride in the fact that we could have been part or were a part of, of making all this happen and making people aware of it, I guess, is part of our, our job is to, to make that happen. So I've got a couple minutes left. I don't know if – let me know if I've left out something that somebody needed to say, um, and I, I've missed it somehow. This is Galen here. I guess one thing I would just like to say is that NGS has been doing a lot of work recently on, on, on um, educational material. Uh, we've got a great set of, uh, of new videos online, uh, particularly one uh, appropriate for this conversation that is reducing errors in, in GNSS observations. Um, basically, it's a, it's a five-minute video that goes over uh, the basics of, of GPS, but you know, really talks about how to... How to um, Make sure you're you're avoiding multipath and that you're um, and you're, you're you're checking to make sure that uh, you you know you get the best data the best data possible. Um, that's the newest of the videos, but there's um, a whole list of them now, uh, including a, a, a an hour long um, educational um, segment on um, on vertical datums themselves. Um, so if you haven't seen them recently, I would certainly encourage everybody to go check our website um, for our outreach and education material because it's, it's come a long way in the recent past. Remind folks of what that website is again. It's uh, www.ngs.noaa.gov, ngs.noaa.gov. Excellent. Well, we're close to running out of time, so I want to make sure I thank the three of you for being with me today and, and joining me from our various locations. But it's been a great discussion. I think it's a stimulating one that will surely get our audience thinking and hopefully begin to get our audience engaged not only in National Surveyors Week but in the whole idea of what's happening, where we're headed in a few years, and what our role is in helping people understand. As Frank said, it's, going to, it's great to uh, be able to be a part of that. So, again, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been great having you all. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.